0: Welcome to the In Defense of Ska podcast.
1: There's a lot of like, okay, will you like Ska named three bands that aren't the Boss Tones.
0: I'm your host, Aaron Carnes, music journalist and author of the book In Defense of Ska. And I'm your co-host, Adam Davis, veteran Ska musician from the bands Omnigon and Link 8. On our show, we aim to push back on the mainstream's negative perception of Ska music. There are so many great untold stories throughout the history of Ska. The show features interviews with everyone from the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones to Fishbone, Fall Out Boy singer Patrick Stump, and the police drummer Stuart Copeland. Join us on In Defense of Ska from the Consequence Podcast Network,
2: There was a good chance we would never hear from Grace Potter again. Grace Potter and the Nocturnals broke up a few years ago, her marriage dissolved, and isolation she went. Four years later, the music started exploding from her, which now has resulted in a new album, a new tour, a new marriage, and a whole new outlook on her life. Grace Potter is our guest this week on the What Podcast. It starts right now. the what podcast which bands this year that matter i'm brad steiner that's barry quarter along with lord taco a little on location today uh mr barry quarter uh i found myself in austin texas and i'm really smart i'm doing this outside in the middle of the day in texas heat
0: are you doing it just because you're jealous of the whole mike daly I mean, I know he had the best background, and you it commented a, on it. Is really it what this point. is about?
2: I am, uh, I'm, I'm traversing the country trying to find a, to one up <laughs> Mike Daly's background. Yes, I could have just used a green screen, but no, damn it, I am looking for my own best Mike Daly background. I, uh, I, I was in uh, Austin doing a uh, event with the Black Pumas, and, um, you know, this this band is just one of those stories where they just come out of nowhere in maybe one of the hardest years to ever break a band. And um, they've sold out five nights at Stubbs. They're selling out three nights at Brooklyn Steel. This thing is just exploded for this band. And uh, now you're finding them on, you know, festival lineup after festival lineup. It's pretty remarkable to see. And by the way, one of the most, I'll put it this way, one of the strangest feelings I've ever had standing amongst a sold-out crowd at Stubbs w- with sweating people
0: yeah tell me about S- that
2: sweating and cheering and uh it was just odd you know
0: well that's why i'm asking that because that's what we're heading into and i, I haven't done it yet that, that's an interesting uh perspective
2: yeah i didn't i don't know if it, i don't know if it really hit me it felt so natural and so normal that i didn't even realize it was weird until about midway through when a a girl like shoved her way in front of me and then i said oh my god somebody touched me oh my god i've just been touched and like i don't know it was just it was i think it was odd in the way that it felt so normal if that makes sense
0: yeah that's that's why i'm asking it's gonna be interesting because i I mean I've had my shots, and I've been in environments where, you know, you don't think about it, and then you see one person or several in a mask, and you remember, oh, hey, you know, it, this isn't over. This thing yeah. is still happening, so.
2: Yeah, you know, it, it was, I guess, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that it's weird that I didn't even notice. Yeah. I think that's what, you know, I, I'm. It, it's more than just being normal. It's that I didn't even consider it.
0: Yeah, well you know you've spent a whole lot of your life not living this way yeah so that's why i'm asking i i have it's going to be curious how we how because of shows and festivals and everything like that i'm very curious to see how it acts so you i you, had a you can't it it's kind of like an all in or not thing it's the old like I, I mean i've used the analogy so many times it's like having a peeing section in a swimming pool you know <laughs> It's still funny. I mean,
2: it, no, it is it is true. I mean, the family afterwards, and not just the family, but some people on the Instagram after they saw the video of the, of the crowd, you know, hit us up and was, you know, they were pretty perturbed and irritated, you know, that, you know, we would put ourselves in such, you know, situa- such a situation like that that was so dangerous. But, you know, my theory on this. And I don't know if I'm if I'm right. I don't even know if I'm the majority. I don't. I guess I don't really care. But at some point, we got to rip the Band-Aid off here right. and give some of these things a try, or else you know we're going to be stuck, you know, living in fear forever. That's right. You know. And at some point, we've got to at least give it a go. We've got to at least try.
0: I, I agree. I agree. And uh, I think you and I are both in that same boat. Where early on it was like stay home, be safe, wear a mask, and now yeah. it's you know we got to gotta do it
2: yeah i mean and and you know we've done everything that we can do we've gotten the shots i liked mine so much i got all three vaccines (laughs) i um did all the masking i but at this point i i don't even carry a mask with me anymore i know that's you know not i mean the wife does but i've forgotten a mask probably every day for the last week and a half
0: it's interesting i I debated whether I had an interview, a couple of interviews the other day and left it in the house and thought, ah, I'm just going to go take it because I don't want to put them in that spot.
2: Yeah, I know. I you And know I mean, I'm if I walked
0: weird. in and they were all masked up, then I needed a mask.
2: Well, it's weird going to a restaurant where they say masks are required until you sit down and nobody on the staff is wearing a mask. Right. Um, you know, well, that, that bad boy is coming off. I am uh, not bothering with your dumb rules when you don't even follow them.
0: So far, for me, it's the other way. I walk in and all the staff has their mask. Of course, half of them have it, you know, below the nose. So it's right.
2: (laughs) I'm also in Texas, though. Let's just remember I'm in Texas. Yeah, the the rules are a tad different uh, here. You know, the other thing about the show, there was such an interesting conversation I had with Eric and Adrian from Black Pumas. They said before the show that the moment they hit the first note, they were going to be really, really emotional. Mm. And he was going to probably break down and cry the minute that he hit the first note on his guitar. That sort of sent chills down my spine. And watching that happen, you could... I mean, it doesn't feel freeing exactly because there's still some trepidation there. But I think the emotional toll is something I... Hadn't necessarily considered, you know how they're going to process what they're doing, right? More than just hey, this is going to be fun. Hey, this is going to be good. I'm really excited to do this. Um, this is going to be sort of like a an, an emotional moment for a lot of these bands. And you know, I don't know many other artists inside outside of country music that are like the Black Pumas that are doing so many shows so early all sold out Mm.
0: yeah i don't know i mean i haven't looked at those numbers or anything but i'm not i'm not surprised um to hear him you know plan to be emotional yeah uh, only because i've talked to so many artists for this whole year uh i say so many far fewer than before um and this sounds so trite and simple but they're just They're people like everybody else they've been and we're going to talk to one here in a minute. Um, You know, uh, they thought it was going to be one thing and it ended up being another. And just like everybody else, whether they're a restaurant owner or a business, I mean, a tire salesman or whatever, they all have said the same thing. We found out what's really important um and it means different that means different things for different people it could be you know time with a child time with an older a family mm-hmm. it could be the business it could be whatever but the point is they found out what's really important so
2: well yeah, yeah, I, the-
0: I, i'm not so, i know what you mean and it's touching but it, it's not surprising yeah the, uh, the the other thing yeah go ahead sorry i was just one more thing is that's the other thing that's become the reality of this last year is it's everybody and, and I, I don't think we've really talked i don't think a lot of people have talked about it it's not just you know barry in chattanooga or brad in new orleans who've gone through this horrible thing it's everybody all over the world yeah so there's kind of this come i don't know i don't know what it is yet i haven't put a point on that well, one.
2: It's a, it's a collective experience that we don't necessarily have very often you know, there's very yeah. few moments throughout the year where we're all doing the same thing at the same time. It's like exactly. the Super Bowl um, and COVID. Exactly. Uh, that's pretty much all. By the way, the other big piece of news from uh, my trip in Austin is, uh, Barry, last night I wore a hat. <laughs> Did
0: you lose a bet? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, the, the, the kind people, the manager of uh, uh, Black Pumas was nice enough to give me the commemorative five nights sold out Stubbs Black Pumas hat. And you know what? I think that I pulled it off. You don't
0: have it with you. We're not going to see it. You know what?
2: Not doing that. No, I am not. Uh, <laughs> I don't so. feel that comfortable.
0: Uh, now, is it like a ten-gallon hat, or is it a cap? A not, not hat? a
2: cowboy hat. No, but it's one of those like really hipster millennial hats. You know, where all the kids keep the brim really flat, and it's a really tall. You know, I don't know how to explain it. It's not a dad hat. It's one of these you know millennial flat brimmed hats with a patch and on. You, it, you know you what I mean? Honestly,
0: think you pulled it off. I think I, I, think I have pulled it off. The
2: problem is, is like, I, I have to cover up the hair, which is always a problem. Yeah. But well, secondly, I've got such a small head. My head doesn't hold a hat. Like, I can't find a hat that makes any sense with the shape of this head.
0: I have the complete opposite. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute complete opposite.
2: You're trying to fit a hat on a C380. It is not working. <laughs> Uh, yeah, by the way, those hair
0: we doesn't stay on. So, for those, uh,
2: for those just joining us, welcome. For uh, those who have uh, been here forever, welcome back. Uh, the What Podcast, uh, diving into music festivals and music culture and all of the behind the scenes industry talk that we can find. You uh, are in for a treat today because an artist that has been on our list for a few years, just because we love her, has agreed to chat with us for a, a little bit. Grace Potter, uh, coming out of her. I guess her own isolation has uh, basically been on a whirlwind trying to, you know, see what her career and her life is outside of the nocturnals and uh, those albums and that relationship that she was in with um, her husband. She got out of uh, that and her band and now she's sort of isolated herself for a few years and now she's sort of coming out of it with a new album. She's, touring again she's on festival lineups and i just love her so much and i love the way that she writes i love her live show so much this was one of those that was on our list really early when we started the show barry
0: yeah a little spoiler uh especially for you um i got to talk to her probably a month ago because she came close she came to play the caverns here which is right near manchester as a matter of fact and uh, that's right she's a great great interview Um, she's a lot of fun, very open, uh, very giving. And, um, you know, you've had those interviews where at the end you, you kind of apologize and say, I'm sorry, I kept you on the phone for so long. And the other person says, I could do this all day. All day. Yeah. Those don't happen very often, but, uh, I, I hope I don't set her up and she's, you know, having a bad
2: day having a know. bad day <laughs> but she was great who are these losers i'm yeah, talking can to you get off. I mean, she, she's
0: looking at her wrist the whole time you know no, uh, she was yes. terrific, and yes yeah. she's she's great
2: yeah very excited about this so here we go on the what podcast one of our favorite artists at least appearing on the lineups this year grace potter on the what podcast next Great, Grace. How are you? It's so lovely I'm, to see you.
1: I'm good. I'm good. I'm just putting some dishes away. I'm gonna stop planking around here in a second.
2: No, I love it. <laughs> I, I love. I love the real life look. Where are you? Are you at home? Or are you just I'm at uh, home?
1: I'm in Vermont. Yeah. This is this is my view right now. I've got garden beds going, and I've been shoveling mulch all morning. So yeah,
2: yeah. So you're telling me that truck isn't always parked in the yard?
1: It, it, it does look pretty good. Maybe I should leave I it there like from it. now on. Yeah.
2: All right. All right. I kind of <laughs> like it. Good so let, it. Just just a quick thing. It, it, being in Vermont, at what point did you ever think about not living in Vermont?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I lived when I bought my house in Laurel Canyon. You know, I was there and that was where I lived. That was my home, diggity home for like seven years. Yeah. Um, And, and we, you know, bounced back and forth, but I stayed in my like my little tiny barn house that I had renovated that used to be my dad's sign shop. And it's where like me and the nocturnals used to rehearse there. And then all I did was, you know, add in a couple of beds and it became our house for a while. But, um, you know, that's not really like a home home. That's not where you go to be home forever. And, um, I knew that Vermont was going to be a forever place, but I actually wasn't planning on moving back from California for another like 10 years. But with the pandemic, it just kind of felt like now's the time, you know?
2: Yeah. It has started asking. We all have started asking our questions really much earlier than we thought of where we want to plant our, our roots and stay. Uh, You know, you've got, I I can't tell you how many people I know live in New York through the pandemic. It's basically said, why am I here?
0: Yeah. Yeah. How many of those people
1: Mainly, and it's you know because when you have the whole point of living in any city is that human contact and that cultural connection that you get from knowing that like you could just wander out into the street and meet a stranger that is has a more interesting story than you you know any given day of the week you could go and meet somebody amazing in this weird wild world and then that gets taken away and then the rest of it's kind of like oh this is pretty inconvenient you know city city life
0: I'm paying twenty. $800 for a hundred square feet. That's right. <laughs> what? That I have to be in all the time. That's why right. Am I doing that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Why am I doing that? And you know, the, the people that are fleeing some of these spots, I will say we moved to new Orleans and nice. got, and got two days after Mardi Gras last year and two weeks before a global pandemic sent us all home. So I got two <laughs> solid weeks of living in new Orleans. Right. But it was weird in that the, the, that culture thing that you're talking about that, that connection that you have with the city you know new orleans had it and has it you know in spades it's just billowing out of every building but sometimes i would walk around new orleans i'm like man i feel like i'm in charlotte yeah just (laughs) even even new orleans was cut down and and, and lost some of its magic through it it's a quiet
1: it's you know it's i like the thing i like about new orleans though is that you know, even when there's a pandemic and I maybe I'm wrong because I haven't been there during the pandemic, but I did read uh, and also listen to a lot of podcasts and radio shows about it, the culture. Was it the of, what
2: podcast? Um, it wasn't, maybe. was it? I knew it. I knew
1: it. <laughs> maybe. Well, there was basically just that a lot of barkeepers just kept their bars open for themselves and kept the music playing out out the speakers of their windows just so that you could feel that spirit of the music through town, even if yeah. there was no one gathering, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. The city, the city, you know, it, it's not, it's not a meek place and it's not right. for the meek and it's not going to be silent. So right, you know, we, right. we did our best and you know, we, it took a little, it took a little bit of time to get used to, yeah. but once they figured out the workaround, they always find a workaround. We're
1: humans are incredibly adaptable, aren't we? But I, in new Orleans, it's just on another level. It's like, no, one's going to get in the way of my party. <laughs> no,
2: nope, Not happening. Not happening. Even if I got to do it in my yard, I, like totally. I, I, I've said this forever. I work at a radio station that obviously competes against WWOZ, but what WWOZ did with, with jazz fest last year and what they did again this year, they did a jazz festing in place and it was, yeah electric and yeah. the, the entire city was listening to it all at once we talked about this a few minutes ago that communal experiences just don't happen in this country anymore yeah and the fact that we were all doing it yeah. together felt <sighs> wow. real you couldn't walk down my street without having somebody have a jazz fest in place party in their yard ah. that to me is is remarkable it's absolutely remarkable and if there's one thing like i said this about trump when he got elected uh, he's going to be good for us in that He's gonna make us all have to realize what's yeah. important for us all, and totally. we're all gonna we're all gonna start reevaluating how we interact with this stuff. COVID's gonna do the same thing. We're all gonna we're all gonna be Absolutely. tied together for something, and and that was the sort of the what happened last night. I went to the Black Puma show, and for the first time in a year and four months, I was wow. in a sold out show. And what Adrian and Eric said before the show is that when they hit that first note, they're gonna cry. Yeah. And it's going to be that sort of emotional release for them. Was totally. it for you when you finally got back on stage?
1: Absolutely. I, I mean, it was wild last year. I I, I sort of um, agreed to be the, the guinea pig of the music industry at large because it, we didn't know what was going to happen or how it was going to be. And I just I'm confident in my ability to to perform live under pretty much any circumstance. Um, and so I just felt like I would be a a good candidate to try these things out. And I remember, you know, playing the first chord, uh, at a drive-in theater setup and it was really emotional. It was, I mean, I totally just, you know, I didn't break down and stop, stop the song, but, you know, I just sort of wept gently through it.
2: Uh, (laughs) that's actually, that's actually kind of sweet though. Yeah, it kind of, it's kind of
0: adorable. I, I was, I was going to ask Grace. You, you and I talked about a month ago before your cavern show. Yeah, you, I
1: remember. Yeah.
0: And you said uh, that the, you had spent the time to kind of to Brad's point, you had spent a lot of the time reconnecting with fans, the live streaming and all of that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So yeah, maybe, and not even not, really
1: reconnecting, but like connecting for the first connecting. time.
0: Right, yeah. right. So maybe now that you've been out a month, what's the, how is it feel i mean you just said that first note but now that you've actually been playing live for you're one of the pioneers as you said you've been the guinea pig what's it what's it like actually getting out and playing to a live audience now after what we've been through
1: i mean it depends on the show because every show is totally different um there have been shows where i think the configuration of where Uh, everybody gets to set up is more conducive to the live performance and there's others where it's more conducive to the human experience of being together again because as I'm sure any ticket buyer knows that like you know as you're looking at the schedule of concerts coming up you're buying tickets but you're also planning potentially reunions with people that you haven't seen in over a year You know, so music is such a a cause for gathering back together and like, oh, my God, our favorite band is playing. Let's meet at X point point and, you know, go see the show. So one of the things that happened that could never happen if it weren't for the pandemic is that um, there's a lot more talking from the audience uh, because everybody's just seeing each other for the first time and I think as we as humans know that when you haven't seen someone there's a lot to catch up on but also the excitement of a concert makes you yell a little louder and <laughs> you know gets a little more energized uh-huh. so. I was hearing like full on conversations from the audience, but I'm not, I'm not a finicky performer. I'm not, I'm never, ever going to shush the crowd. I I just don't believe in shushing people. I think I got shushed a lot as a kid. So I have like bit of a tick (laughs) with being shushed. Um, so I would never, I would never, I would never shush anybody, but it was kind of like, I've made this analogy a couple of times, but it's, it's a, it's a good one. It's like, um, it's like being in a kitchen for Thanksgiving dinner where a bunch of relatives are reconnecting for the first time and I'm just the Turkey in the oven. So like, yeah. you know, like, it's like, everybody's really yeah. excited for me
0: to say, Hey, do I need to give you
1: guys a minute? Yeah, no, totally. I definitely enjoyed it because I, I really was then able to understand and see the connection of all these humans. Cause when everybody's gathered together, it's just this massive, you know, group of faces that kind of wash over you energetically and visually that, you know, that's a very amazing feeling, but you can't really distinguish who came with who. And when you have the pods, you can, and then my mind kind of goes nuts. And I start like making up stories about what's going on with each pod and who came from where (laughs) and how complicated it was to make it all happen. And, you know, I, I really believe in that human experience and I'm just honored that, you know, my, my music would be the thing to bring them together. Well, you said something
2: fascinating a second ago that you were the guinea pig and you don't, you, you didn't yeah, go into Yeah, I said I'm a guinea live...
1: pig and I'm a turkey. So I've done right, that. Yeah, definitely... no.
2: <laughs> and, and that you don't go into live performances pretty, at all timid, but you don't really seem as though a kind of person that does anything very timid.
1: Not really, no. Yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe maybe taking an eye exam. Or, <laughs> oh yeah. my God, that
2: puff, that puff of air makes me yeah. Cra- yeah. cringe. That's, I hate that puff of air. I'm very all
1: timid right. in an eye exam.
2: Got it. <laughs>
0: I have a question along those, and totally shifting gears, um, just because I want to ask, because I just watched it before. Was it more difficult, totally shifting gears, more difficult to do the video for release or to do the song? Because it's uh, so emotional.
1: That th- video is just the most intense Piece of work I've ever been a part of, and yeah, it, and really, you know that. Thank you for the shift in gears because I actually was I was just going over it yesterday. I I reconnected with uh, the director Catherine Fordham, who, um, you know, when you go through the story of my life and then you hear that song, I think one thing that she picked up on was that the song is is more. About one specific moment in my life, but the video is about the whole thing, like Mm -hmm. the big picture. And she didn't really know my story. She just, I think, adapted the storytelling that she found and connected with in that song, but also on the whole album, Daylight. And I think she wrote it into the treatment for the video in such a thoughtful, profound way. And, you know, it took a long time to shoot the video. I had to train. To be able to pull that boat across, Uh, try pulling a a boat full of water and seaweed across a a sandy beach. Just give it a whirl. (laughs) It's not super easy. Well, Um, that and and
0: to be able to cry on I mean there's a lot of acting going
1: on in that I I wasn't acting that's the difference is that I I, that moment was really spiritual also because there had been these fires you know the Woolsey fires came really really close to my home and also took the home of uh, a dear friend of mine and we were right beneath where her house used to be and you know having the fires blaze through you know in southern california when they did and watch the destruction but also the recreation that it had caused that there was a pretty pivotal emotional moment uh as i'm dancing around this fire and there's like fire marshals and police officers and like all kinds of people had to be there to make sure that everybody in southern california knew that we had had a permit for the fire because fires are not really uh they're kind of frowned upon yeah
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah they're, not, they're not a good idea they're not, not fun good, that's for not sure. not a good idea ever yeah. but especially not in california but that ever. made
1: it even more emotional and special i think too to be able you know, to, to really real you know have that
0: yeah real quick by acting i didn't i didn't mean like pretending because it was yeah. clear it was emotional i just meant there's a lot of uh, emotion and,
1: and yeah uh, no I, I absolutely and and yeah. very little um makeup and hair and you know there was no wind machines there's no fog machines there's no there's no magic tricks happening in that video it really is happening as you're seeing it and i think that was a profound choice as well to just really let it be what it is and let my story speak for itself um in many ways just through the lyrics of the song but also through the visuals and And, and, yeah And for those who don't know
2: exactly your story, I don't want to go through it too much. I mean, you do such a wonderful job everywhere you go when you talk about this sort of stuff. But when the nocturnals ended and your marriage did as well and Mm -hmm. you went into your own isolation of sorts, Mm -hmm. right?
1: Yeah, I did the lockdown before the lockdown because I didn't know about that there was going to be a lockdown later. Yeah. <laughs> I, I should have saved it.
2: <laughs> you were well You yeah. were well practiced. Let's just put it that way. You're well practiced.
1: Yeah, no, my, my relationship uh, in my personal life as well as in my public life fell apart in front of everybody. And it was a really, really difficult thing. And it was also, it happened mainly because I, I wasn't able to separate my music career from my real life because they were completely entangled. And I also wasn't able to separate the pain that I was feeling from music. So I kind of blamed music for all of the things that had gone wrong and, and backed away from music in, in every possible way. And when I say that, I mean like I called my management and I was like, I'm done. I called Benny, my, my guitarist and my dear friend and said like, I cannot promise you when or if this is gonna come back again. And that w- And then there was three years that went by um, with very little thought or, you know, discussion as to what was going to happen next. And it didn't didn't worry
2: you. It didn't scare you.
1: Oh, it scared the crap out of me. Of course. Yeah, no, I was really, um, I was devastated. And when you're broken like that, it's weird how time just kind of goes into a warp. Um, but I had other things to be scared about too, like getting restraining orders and going to court and, you know, (laughs) there were other issues and, and dramatic things occurring in my life that, took precedence over that. Um, And in the midst of all that as well, having this incredible blossoming love with the the love of my life. And now my husband, Eric Valentine, um, there was just no room, no space for me to share any of that with, with the outside world. It was very intense.
2: Well, you laid a good foundation because that's sort of where I was going to go. And and I know this is going to be personal, uh, but I think that, you know, you, you, you're able to to understand what i'm saying when you have to go through all of this again and you have to write the album and go on tour with these songs and do interviews like this and then talk about this freely you must be in a wonderful place both mentally and with your current relationship that can withstand these kinds of things just keep getting poked at and poked at and poked at
0: which well, it's to, a, yeah. just to jump on to the point of my question about the video. I mean, that was yeah. so powerful to be to to Brad's point. I mean,
1: yeah, yeah, you could. Have
0: you said, know, no, I, think I don't want to
1: people say things all the time um, to me, like my album has allowed them to assess things in their life that felt too uncomfortable to touch before that and that's a really beautiful gift that I didn't mean to give anybody else, mm-hmm. and and nor did I really realize how much I needed it myself. But music is medicine, and for me, the process of unfolding my my feelings from the past and my hopes and manifestations for the future came through music. And you know, and then I put the album out, which it was was totally terrifying. I had no idea when I wrote a lot of these songs that they were going to be heard by the public. I mean, my, my intention when I was writing this music was that it would help me to heal uh, because I've always found that when I write it into a song it becomes more true. So if, if I'm really mad about something and I write a song about it, then I'm going to be angry about it forever. Uh, and then if I write a song about wanting to heal from something and I can put that into words and put it down, it does start to feel like part of the my DNA changes as I I'm reassess my relationship with a feeling or a memory.
0: It's and- so interesting to hear an artist talk about, I didn't write this for someone else or mm-hmm. you know that, and to have people come up and say, this song helped me so much. <laughs> I interviewed Amanda Shires uh, several years ago, and she said something like, "People are constantly coming up and thanking her for saving Jason Isbell's life."
1: And she's wow. like, "I don't,
0: I don't get that, you know." I'm like, "You know, I just did what I did because he's my husband." And I said, "Well, maybe it's because his music has meant so much to people that yeah. you know, right. you're right. you're helping him help them." Yeah, and it kind of. I think it kind of took her back. Oh, she said, "I hadn't really." thought of it that way because which I find interesting because she's a songwriter you know what I mean
1: but a lot of times yeah you don't see it from the when you're on the inside of it it's it's not always it's not always easy and it's also not always easy to give yourself credit for things that you didn't mean to do
0: you know so uh
1: I I think again through through the process of opening up my story and and as you said like sort of continuing to poke at the beast of my life and and the things that have challenged me um, mentally I, I, am in a good state. I am in a stable state where I feel comfortable knowing what those events led to, which is my present life. And I have a whole huge amount of gratitude every morning when I wake up feeling that, but you know, I have, I have my off days. And as I don't know if you guys know, but to, this month is mental health awareness month. And that's uh, been a big part, a part of my journey as I've grown up with a sibling with pretty severe mental challenges. And, um, And mental health and therapy has been so stigmatized over time that daylight for me as an album was, was my therapy, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know it, you know, and then as it's come out and I've, I've had these conversations, especially the tough ones that are, that are kind of the conversations that are more stigmatizing because people are like, I'm feeling crazy. I'm feeling unstable. I'm feeling insecure in a way that I never did before COVID has popped up a whole lot of. Feelings and fears and thoughts and regrets, and you know, all of a sudden things are creeping into people's lives that haven't been that way before. And you know, that's been part of my journey is trying to encourage people that you know it's okay yeah. to not be okay, and it's okay, yeah.
0: and you're not alone,
1: share that, and that you're not alone, and there's there's help there, you know. And
2: and and you said it, but the hardest thing that some people have to do is even finishing the sentence, I'm feeling blank, yeah. And you know, for from look, I, I will go to the moon and back about how much I love uh, my therapist and how, you know, life changing she has been shout out, Gail, shout out, Gail. Yeah, Gail. Um, yeah, Gail. Uh, I mean, I really do Bless love your it. your heart, Gail. And, uh, <laughs> and the best part of it was not just the fact that I could start answering the sentence or finishing the sentence, rather, I'm feeling blank,
1: yeah. but
2: then I got to understand other people and how they might be feeling something, right? Yeah. Uh, it gave me this ability, almost this superhuman ability to see others. Yeah. And um, if I'm going that deep inside of me to try and figure out what I'm thinking or feeling or, or going through, man, uh, I can't imagine what that person's doing. And it just allows me to just become a better human being yeah. for everybody involved, not just myself.
1: Absolutely. And to take away the judgment it's easy to like somebody cuts you off in traffic and you get really pissed and you just want to oh they're like what is their problem they're doing this to me they're not doing anything to you in fact somebody in their life is bothering them and they're they're so busy thinking about that that maybe they didn't even see you there but i think that that forgiveness and that compassion doesn't just happen it's not a natural biological occurrence in humans you know we are we are fight or flight stress response type people, and uh, that's just part of our makeup. So we have to really work to to go deeper into some of those darker feelings and address them. But you know, there's a there's a way to do it, and everybody is different. So cracking the egg open and letting it right. ooze slowly right. is not always the right thing for everybody. And I that's think right. in my case, writing daylight was a long and very oozing egg. For many years it was just yeah. like gross yoke all over oh, me <laughs>
0: along, along those lines because it, it kind of adds to it i think one of the other things you said to me when we talked about a month ago and i still think about it um we were talking about a lot of people have used this pandemic as a time to practice and get better and all that and you said you hated practice and you don't do scales and and all that i mean i so can do we, one right now <laughs> So what was that i mean what was the for someone who basically as you said turned it off for three years
1: mm-hmm. and who,
0: you know not a practicer not a you know was it like riding a bike i mean what was the how did that i work? mean
1: there's there's definitely moments in my life as i get up on stage uh now without a band where i go oh my god I am ill-prepared for this. I really should have run these songs before <laughs> I got up here. And then I'm looking out and there's a thousand faces <laughs> waiting to hear something. So um, I, I am humbled by the solo performance. And I, I have actually been um, dipping back into the gift that I have of music and, and reassessing that and just sort of, yeah, turning turning it over and trying to understand what is it about it that I'm lucky to have? And what is it about it that um, I'm going to continue to push forward on and try to improve? So but, but, but that's happening you, right now. But when you
2: write that album and uh, like you, you're sitting down at a piano right now. So when you have to, to go through all of these things and to use your analogy, yet another uh, farm animal analogy, you crack the egg open, all comes oozing out. Is it, is it starting there on the piano? Is it starting with lyrics? Is it starting on an acoustic guitar? Where is it? Begin? Sometimes
1: it's, it just depends on the day. And to be honest, when I'm feeling creative, it's all about the proximity of whatever the closest instrument is that it, ah. there is no magic to it whatsoever. I'm that, but I, I can be musical even without an instrument. You know, yeah. I could beat the car horn and find a pitch that I think is <laughs> somehow the right pitch for a song. And that will just set me off. And um, I'm, I'm lucky to down and, and I have a lot of focus when I'm in the midst of, of chasing down a song, because otherwise I'm, I'm quite ADD. But um, when I when I have a song that really feels like it's worth finishing, I can I can dive in.
2: So it's 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 not a piecemeal thing for you. When, when you go in, you go all in and yeah. and you and you straight up wait until it's done
1: depending on how successful i think the song is if it's not worth chasing sometimes i'll tuck it away and say maybe this is a piece of another song that need that's still waiting to be written but i save everything um and i i don't really categorize it because i i don't write music according to genre you know i don't write a rock song and then write Mm -hmm. a sad ballad i Mm -hmm. i have a feeling and usually it'll come out in like three or four songs and then I'll just sort of pick the best one.
2: Do <laughs> You have somebody that you trust is like a, like almost a song yeah. doctor. Do you have a song a doctor Do you have somebody just send oh, yeah. to like, Hey, what, what do you think about this?
1: My, my husband, Eric Valentine is the greatest producer I've ever met. I, I definitely, whether we got together or not romantically, I was going to make records with him for the rest of my nice. life. Nice. Um, but I knew when I met him that I felt comfortable even playing him my most embarrassing, crappy demos, you know, um, he is my conciliary of of yeah. musical moments and musical choices. Yeah.
0: Nice. Was it uh, when you when that when you started writing again, was it a, a, one moment like all of a sudden I got to do this or did it just ease its way on out or.
1: it It, it eased its way out. And okay. again, I didn't even really realize like the song release. Okay. I had written um, while I was moving out of my house in Laurel Canyon that I had lived in with my ex-husband. And it was my last day there before the new renters were going to be moving in. And I took a bath and I sat there and I hadn't written music or sung a single note in a long time, but I was feeling just really like I wanted, I was feeling contemplative and almost um, it was almost a prayer. And as I was sitting there, I just started singing and I, I apparently had my phone nearby enough to press record at some point. But um, I, that sat then in my inbox uh, of my voice memos for another year and a half before oh, wow. I, okay. I opened it back up again and considered.
0: Oh, it really right. was a little bit of both. I mean, yeah. that, moment, that moment came quickly, but then it said, okay, interesting.
2: Yeah, but, but that but that moment of reopening that memo Did you remember what you had, or were you pretty scared to hit play?
1: I was terrified to hit play, especially because it was it was from that era of my life where I didn't know if I ever wanted to make music again. So I just assumed that everything, if there was something from that date, that it was probably pretty angry, and you know, and the the odds of it being a voice memo of you know, some phone call with my lawyer, it was equal parts. Like Uh, it could have been, you know, there was a lot of other things going on in my life and I was recording a lot of things. None of them had titles. So uh, a huge amount of this was kind of going back through the time capsule of my life and figuring out what was what. And yeah, there were, there were a lot of um, voice memos that weren't songs at all. And they were really not pleasant to listen to because it was like, you know, personal security officers and just, uh, just crazy, dramatic, unnecessary, things that i wanted to be able to tuck away and well actually delete forever um yeah. but i'm really glad I didn't, I didn't hit delete on that one before listening to it
2: <laughs> yeah it, it just does be, it does make me feel a tad panicky just thinking about it yeah, no so, yeah.
0: could have been a, anything but to be totally. clear, so this entire tour that you're doing is just you right
1: yeah this is a solo this is a solo um collective of shows although um I've had moments where, okay, I've got 10% juice on my phone. That's exciting. Me too.
3: All right. Excellent.
1: Let's let's wrap this up. No, um, this is a solo tour, but there were a couple shows on this last bit of it, on the last leg um, down in Florida, where I just looked at the stage and looked at the ticket sales of how many people were coming and how big the venue felt and was like, I think I'm going to need some help here. So we do travel with a drum kit. And um, a bass amp, so that in case I feel like enlisting uh, my husband and my front of house sound guy, who are my only crew. That's that's all it wow. is. Okay. This, okay. It's a really small. This is a family band in every sense wow. of the word. Um, are you hooking um, up that, the lights I, too,
2: Grace? Jesus.
1: No. Yeah, I, I actually do. I'm. Um. So check this out. This this is one of my light rigs. I found it on on the internet, and I thought, well, that thing looks really cool, and it's this just these tiny little go go lights that illuminate different parts of you. One one of them is a black light. One of them makes it look like there's a sunset. One of them makes it look kind of like iridescent and psychedelic. So yes, I'm actually doing the lighting.
2: Uh, Can it answer. make me a good dancer? <laughs> Can it make me Yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> like my, my I hope
1: so I, I'm definitely I, I have been dancing. There is there is yeah. dancing at these shows. That's really right. been a fun thing to be a solo performer and figure out what is it that I can play that will make it fa- still feel like a dance party. And it's totally it's totally possible. I mean, Sister Rosetta Tharp is my my hero, and she made me dance from the second I heard her play. So uh, nice. that's yes. what I'm, that's what I'm going for.
2: Am I it, are we breaking news that there might be twerking on Grace Potter's <laughs> <laughs> could it be possible
1: never ever anything is possible
0: <laughs> the, the other thing I you can't. said the last thing that you said uh when we talked before was that this tour you, what you were looking forward to is the the um spontaneity spontaneity yeah, right?
1: spontaneity, yeah. Spontaneity.
0: yeah. and that that has there.
1: happened i mean that has been the prevailing sensation of this tour has been the fact that i am not Um, coming up on stage with a plan and there's a reason why. And it's because the audience matters so much to me and especially having this year to, connect with my fans in a way that has been really profound, uh, especially when it comes to what songs people want to hear. Uh, yeah. You know, I can't write a set list better than the crowd. The crowd knows yeah. my songs. And I mean, you won't believe some of the requests that have come in where it was just like this one-off time that I played a song when the power went out at a bar in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And they were there when I played that version of Dead Flowers, the Grand yeah. Parsons way. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> You know, nice. and and that's the kind of conversations that uh, are being had with me in the audience. And, you know, if I had a band there, I, I certainly uh, might do a little bit of conversing with the crowd, but I think um, it really opens up the possibility for me to play exactly what people want to hear. Yeah. And it's never the same thing twice. Wouldn't and it's do- just been so cool. Well, wasn't
0: the show at the cavern, I know it was well over two hours. Was it almost three
1: I, I, how I, I tipped, the, I, tipped the scale at two and a half hours on one of wow. the nights and nice. then the next night I had to, I had to, you know, I didn't want to play any less time. So I, was
2: yeah. thinking, I just you. tried to
1: match it so I could give people an equal experience, you know?
2: Well, you've given <laughs> us an amazing experience. I, I can't tell you how much I love you. I, um, you've been one of my, my Bonnaroo darlings for years. So oh, I'm just so happy you. that I'm just so happy that, that things are. Feeling so right in life for you i feel like uh the music is exploding from you and i think that i'm not going to speak for everybody but i'm glad to have you back i'm glad to have you back and and thank you so much and thanks for being on the show this is a this is a big treat you were you were one of our top uh, on top of the list when we started the show three years ago so i'm very excited to have you uh to have you join us thanks so much dear thank Thank you it
1: was good talking to you guys thanks so much bye grace take care yeah
2: Potter on the what podcast an absolute stunner she is a stunner in every aspect of life um, I I just love everything about her I love what I The other thing I love, Barry, is that we keep putting people on this show that I just enjoy as human beings.
0: Thank you. That's exactly right. And I think I mentioned that before we started talking is, is, as I found out throughout this, they're just people. You get to see a little bit more of it. They're very talented people. I mean, she can write a song with her car horn, apparently.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, I almost brought this up, but remember LCD Sound System on their last album? Uh, Patrick Murphy or James Murphy, Patrick Murphy, James Murphy wrote an album, wrote a song based on the fan that was oscillating above his head. He yeah. sampled that sound and it became, hey, baby,
0: well, oh baby. I'll give you, I'll give you everything one, today. I'll give hey you baby. one more. The funky drummer, the beat that we all know from James Brown, Clyde Stubblefield, based that on a factory near his house here in Chattanooga and a train. Really? I yep. didn't know that. Yep. Yeah, he Say grew that up again.
2: Go through that one more time. just Clyde, in case Stubblefield, I
0: missed it. Clyde uh-huh. Stubblefield, the funky drummer, grew up here. Uh-huh. And if you hear it, you could hear the which he got from a train, but there was a factory that had like a boom, 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 a regular, and he combined the two, and he came no up with kidding. the funky drummer beat.
2: No kidding, I did not know that Chattanooga connection. Look at the Barry Quarter coming in clutch. I just uh, that's gonna be you're you're writing an article about that, aren't you? I have. Uh, okay, I know <laughs> it's big. Uh, yeah. Is it it's Good. amazing, yeah. Well, but it's look, true. before uh, we get to any too much further, these the, the music that you hear in between segments that's our buddy Nick. He has got a band that is absolutely incredible, Midist M I D I S T. Uh, they're going to be part of the What Podcast from here on out, uh, creating these amazing soundscapes that I hope that you go support on Bandcamp, on Spotify, Apple Music, search Midist, M-I-D-I-S-T. I -I I think of it a lot like study beats, you know, it's just those (laughs) those wonderful, you know, atmospheric beats that are, you know, in you all the time that you can find a situation that you're in. You can find a Midist, you know, beat for it. I absolutely in love with it. And he's a fellow campmate. You know, he's he, part of camp he's, nut butter
0: he's i was gonna say might be the most talented one of us. He's certainly the most quietly talented one he's the one that came up with the graphics uh you, yeah if, if you, you've if seen you the camp seen... nut butter heads right. and the the marquee that was nick yep
2: it's all nick nick turner and uh, midist m-i-d-i-s-t as well, well, well as nick. our friends repeat repeat with the what podcast theme song i know we keep saying this each and every week but next week we're starting how to make a hit it's a two-parter uh, it starts with an A&R guy, Mike Daly from Hollywood Records. And then the second part, very exciting, will be somebody that is very important in my life because he's my boss. Uh, <laughs> how to make a hit. Two-parter starts next week. Uh, I, I know we keep put, putting it on, putting it on, putting it on, but I really want to get this Grace Potter interview out there because I think that she's got something so important to say, especially in the time frame that she has to say it with. You know the the mental health awareness month uh, now uh, behind us. So there you go. Thanks for joining the What Podcast. Which bands this year that matter? The What Please rate review uh, the the show on your Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast from. It would really help us. On the Consequence Podcast Network, Barry Quarter, Lord Taco, and Brad Stein. We'll talk to you next week. Love you.